it from guys who didn't really know anything to guys who still didn't really know that much, but we, uh, we, we, our enthusiasm took us pretty far with Pete and Pete. Uh, I, I would say that the best thing about Pete and Pete is we, we didn't know what we were doing. And uh, now that I know what I'm doing, I kind of wish I could erase that part of my brain that knows how to, how to do things. It doesn't get any better when you know how to do it. <laughs> Good morning, Gut Buckets. This is Big Orange Couch, the 90s Nickelodeon podcast where we talk about all things 90s Nickelodeon. My name is Joey. And I'm Andrew. And this is episode 45, a very special episode where we're going to be talking to uh, Nickelodeon legend, <laughs> yeah. Will McRobb, yeah, uh, co-creator of Pete and Pete. Um, just a... Uh, Shall we just go down his list of credits? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so if... Um, so. I mean, that's enough for you and me, I would say, yeah. <laughs> uh, co-creating Pete and Pete. Um, but other stuff he's been involved in, uh, he was involved in a little bit of uh, Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life, Doug, uh, as usually like a, he's credited as a story editor. Um, and he's the co-creator of Kablam. Uh, he was the writer of the movie Snow Day. Uh, he was... Uh, the writer, uh, the screenplay writer of Elvin and the Chipmunks, the uh, relaunch, and he's been up to stuff he's been up to recently. Sanjay and Craig, uh, he's written a bunch of those. Um, Danger and Eggs. Uh, he did a one-time pilot on Amazon called A Kid Called Mayonnaise, which you can find online. It's really cool. It didn't get picked up by Amazon, but um, it's definitely got a Pete and Pete feel. Um, so he's, you know pretty well established yes yeah um i think this is about as exciting as i can imagine a guest being i mean not that i don't appreciate all our guests i love them yeah uh but uh, but, but for me this is like a per- yeah yeah <laughs> this is a personal like uh just a milestone i guess moment yeah. i feel like it, a, a special thing you know special connection to pete and pete and so yeah. Like, this is, like, a big thing for me, I guess. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a big thing for you and I. And yeah. so in our conversation with him, I mean, it focuses almost predominantly on, I mean, him, uh, a little bit about his experience growing yeah. up yeah. and how he got into writing, but Pete and Pete, yeah. uh, as well as kind of, like, some of the details of Pete yeah. and Pete. And, and I think a lot of stuff maybe um, you maybe not ha- haven't heard anywhere else if you're, if you've if you're familiar with uh, Will McRobb interviews, um, yeah. you know, I think he talks about some stuff maybe he hasn't talked about in other places. So um, I think it's really great. Yeah, really cool of him to join yeah. us. Um, if you're an Adventures of Pete and Pete fan like us, um, just like a little bit of, I guess, bios, uh, not to go in bios and trivia, <laughs> but uh, some of the stuff, uh, the episodes he's responsible for writing on Pete and Pete is New Year's Pete, On Golden Pete, Valentine's Day Massacre, um, what we did on our summer vacation, which, as you may know, if you listen to this podcast, is my favorite all time of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Space Geeks and Johnny Unitas. Uh, he wrote The King of the Road, which is a great one. Yeah. Um, Range Boy. Uh, he also wrote Hard Days Pete, Time Tunnel, Farewell My time Little Tunnel. God, I 
You like that one? Love Time Tunnel. <laughs> That's a really good one. Uh, Farewell My Little Viking Part 1, he wrote. Um, Farewell My <laughs> Little Viking Part 2, of course. Uh, and so, yeah, just um, a great talent and a really kind dude, as we yes, find out here. Yes, totally. Um, huge hitter as I will call him, in the Nickelodeon world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it's weird because we've reached out to a couple people to talk to, and there may be more mm-hmm. coming up uh, this year as far as people we talk to. Um, but he was just really quick and prompt as far as, like, yeah, yeah let's talk. just so awesome. Uh, just, like, didn't ruin my uh, perception <laughs> of him or the show at all. Yeah, uh, I, yeah Andrew does not get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> as I often do, I guess, as yeah. of late. Um, so I guess you could say this is our ultimate call that so far. No offense yeah. to Chris or <laughs> Alan I'm, I'm okay or Kevin. Them yeah, yeah. I'm sure case. they won't care. Daniel, I'm sure won't care. Um, so do you wanna you wanna play our interview with Will yeah, McRobb? Let's, let's hear it. Cool. Hey there. Uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the Big Orange Couch, Will. <laughs> yes, this is yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've sat on that couch before, the actual couch, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's funny. It's so, um, it always shows up at one of the many different Nickelodeon um, offices here in L.A., and uh, everyone who sees it, if you grew up looking at that thing, you're like, you know, hit by a wave of nostalgia. <laughs> if you d- didn't grow up with it your first reaction is like man things look terrible in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is really it really is an ugly thing but uh, it uh, you know it has an honored place in uh, the Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon yeah. pantheon that's yeah. amazing um well thank you again so much for uh being with us and um i think for both of us you're kind of like a uh uh, no offense when I say this, but a nerd hero, I guess, to us. Um, sure, no, I take, take that in the right the spirit in which you intend it. Sure. <laughs> um, and for me in particular, like, I think Pete and Pete has been a big influence on me and, like, the reason why I, I guess, it's part of the reason why I explored writing in my own life. Um, so this is uh, really exciting for us and... Um, I just that's, uh, that's great. That's great. You know, we uh, we aim to inspire. You know, we didn't really know. We had always hoped that we would inspire the ele- the eleven year olds of uh, the eighties and nineties, but uh, we never really knew. You never really know. You can't really yeah. tell what's going on. But then, of course, we did all these reunions uh, recently, and all those eleven uh, year olds are now in their mid to late twenties. <laughs> they they're like you guys. Like, thank you for making life better yes we, uh, yes we feel we feel proud of that <laughs> yeah yes it's um i was i was kind of naturally interested since uh andrew and i grew up on pete and pete and that's kind of what bonded us i mean andrew and i have known each other since we were three years old uh <laughs> um what was something like when you were growing up that like you were watching that may have like kind of shifted your opinion on pop culture or, uh, something that just like stuck with you oh yeah that's a good question um it's, it's a good question. I have, like, an 11-year-old kid, you know, who's kind of at that prime age for, like, um, you know, seeing things in a certain way. And uh, and he watches a lot of stuff that seems like crap to me. But then I think about what I watched, and I think I think my, the stuff I watched was even worse. You know, all the sitcoms <laughs> yeah. from that era. 
So every, every, as long as he's like 5% above where I was, I feel like I'm being a good father. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to dip. You know, when you watch, and what helps him though, what helps his cause is that uh, I watch a lot of the Monsters. So wow. you know, that gives him like an automatic bump with what he's watching. Wow. But um, um, you think about that. I, it was probably, I have to say, um, it was probably all in the family because uh, uh-huh. I was just a kid at that age and was watching the monsters and uh, I dream of genie and bewitched and things like that. And, um, and then I started watching uh, all the family and it's, you know, you guys know it's, uh, it's, you know, there's very few shows that have ever been like it. And, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, like I do now, I don't consider it a, you know, a, a, you know, one act play. It was just a TV show, but uh, just the ground it covered, the kind of comedy that, um, you know, you know what it was? It was sort of the comedy of um, everything else I watched was high concept and fantastic. And this was a show that was about <laughs> real people. Yeah, and uh, and the funny things they, that came out of just pe- people being themselves, I think, really made a big impact on me. Wow. Cool. Um, can I ask you... Uh, what got you into writing, I guess? Like, what age you started writing and when you knew maybe that that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel lucky in that I um, I kind of knew at an early age that I wanted to not only be a writer, but try to write things that were funny. Yeah. And I had a, um, a best, I had and I have a best friend um, who I met in fourth grade. He goes by the name Tom Hill. And we kind of saw ourselves as a budding comedy duo uh, for years and years to come, even after college. Um, it never quite panned out the way we, we had, had in mind when we were kids, but we always inspired each other. And we kind of always kept ourselves um, up to date on everything that was cool that was happening in comedy. <laughs> so we had that sort of like sensibility at an early age. And I think what inspired us back then was, um, you know what it was? It was like... Um, it was like the Bill Cosby records that we had, and then we had uh, we moved on to George Carlin, and then Steve Martin, mm. and all those things were huge influences on um, what you could do with comedy. And uh, I think we went from there to like things like you know Mad Magazine, and, and then like a lot yeah. of people from that era, you go from Mad Magazine to National Lampoon, <laughs> and then you go from National Lampoon to Monty Python. It's probably a lot of people that followed that uh, trail, and uh, it's a good trail. And yeah. uh, I think it really got us to seeing all the different ways in which, you know, we became very aware at an early, you know, relatively early age about um, different kind of formulas for, for comedy. Mm. And, uh, you know, we wanted to try them all. And we moved on to, I'm thinking you know, I went from Monty Python to SCTV. I remember that. Yeah. And then uh, I'm trying to think what we went after. Maybe somewhere a little bit of jumping time, we went to Kids in the Hall. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and then, you know, from there we went on. I think I think Kids in the Hall was the last thing I watched, yeah. which where I really felt like I wanted to absorb, as you know, try to absorb it, and maybe it would help me be more like that show was. <laughs> yeah. Totally, that's really cool. Um, just so you know, I just uh, thrusted my arms in the air because something we've talked about on this show, um, one of my favorite episodes of The Adventures of Pete and Pete is an episode called The Call, and uh, which I when I went on to IMDb, I saw it was written. This was months ago by a guy named Thomas Hill. Yeah, uh, but I <laughs> but I noticed that he'd only had two credits, the call and an episode of Salute Your Shorts. And so what what I because I was scratching my head, the call is such a beautiful episode. What happened to Thomas Hill? Um, well, he um, he 
what, uh, we kind of followed a similar path. When I, what really got me my start, uh, what, you know, P&P would never have been possible if I hadn't gotten a job at Nickelodeon as a promo writer. And, um, hmm. you know, back in those days when they didn't have that many shows and the shows they had were terrible, <laughs> um, they had a lot of time for promos. And the promos were kind of its own little kind of indie niche, you know, within the, the construct of this big network because they they had a lot of talented, funny people and they had a lot of time to fill. And uh, we, you know, with Nickelodeon and Nick at Night, which, you know, we all covered together, all the people who worked in the department, we kind of created our, our own little um, comedy enterprise that lived between the shows. And um, Tom um, and I both had jobs there um, doing all kinds of um, short form funny stuff. And uh, I'm, moved on after Pete and Pete to do other things. And he stayed, uh, there for a lot of years. And he, you know, he's kind of, um, uh, I think he found what he was, was really good at and he just kept doing it. So, uh, mm -hmm. while he was, you know, his career was more moving in that direction because we're pals and, you know, because he's a great writer, I, you know, I gave him a shot at, uh, at that episode and, um, you know, it turned out to be one of the best ones. Yeah. Yes, that's one of my favorites as well. That's a good episode, I have to say. Um, you know, season season two, um, you know, season one was just kind of getting our feet on the ground, and I think some of the shows suffered from being a little too ambitious. You know, it's mm. sort of like the first record you a band would make—you just put every <laughs> idea into it, and because you don't think you'll get to do another one. And then the second season, we kind of found our footing and made, I think, by far the, the weirdest, almost just I don't know, least. Uh, conventional episodes and then the third season yeah. Nickelodeon finally started wondering what their what they had <laughs> and decided to try to make it a little bit more conventional in the yeah. third season but all those shows in the second season and the call in particular really uh, have a place in my heart because uh, they um, it's that's the most I think the purest form that, that is the, the, that is the Pete and Pete um, uh, uh, ethos at its most unleashed. So, <laughs> some, of those, some of those episodes are failures because of that, and some of them are are pretty great. So I'm glad the second season is, uh, you know, uh, where I I like to I like the most about that season. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, while we're on the topic of like other people you've worked with, um, I'm just wondering how you knew Chris Viscardi and how you guys kind of like came together like that. Yeah, sure. Well, the um, we were he was in the promo department too, and um, hmm. you know we were doing spots for like um, you know Mr. Ed, My Three Sons, and you know finding ways to be hilarious. You know, in our minds, uh, just doing parodies, and uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'd have to say this though. I mean, a lot of Pete Pete is about nostalgia, hmm. and even when we were doing these cruddy shows from the '60s, like Mr. Ed, and you know, uh, <laughs> even things less, even worse than Mr. Ed. We still were at that age, you know, that mid twenties age, where you, your nostalgia starts to kind of become more present. You're less about rejecting things, and you're more about kind of remembering what was great yeah. about your childhood. And so, even with, I would say, the earliest seeds of uh, of the nostalgia of Pete and Pete, were doing like these promos for these old shows. At least for me, I, I you know, some people were really cynical and would just mock the hell out of these shows, and, and I would always, you know, just get all nostalgic about them and try to kind of capture some of those feelings of uh of what i cared about in doing yeah. those shows and, and chris uh was in the same boat and uh 
we got an opportunity like i said promos were like these kind of shows that lived between the shows and um uh, Pete, Pete got a chance to be one of those shows. It was, you know, uh, in uh, by its definition at the time, a commercial for Nickelodeon. <laughs> wow. uh, we were just allowed to make these one-minute-long uh, little movies, but um, they existed as a kind of an abstract form of uh, promotion, uh, no different than a spot for, uh, you know, like, um, I don't know, you can't do that on television. At least, you know, as far as Nickelodeon was concerned, it might as well have been that. And... Um, and so uh, Chris and I, you know, went from two promo guys to guys who got a chance to do a couple of these shorts. And then, um, you know, it took a long time. We did a lot of shorts and then we did five specials. And then finally, after the kids had all grown up and couldn't be cute anymore, they finally decided to let us do three seasons of the show. And we, uh, you know, we kind of cut our teeth on that show. We, we went from guys who didn't really know anything guys who still didn't really know that much but we uh we, we our enthusiasm took us pretty far with pete and pete i i would say the best thing about pete and pete is we we didn't know what we were doing and uh now that i know what i'm doing i kind of wish i could erase that part of my brain that knows how to how to do things it doesn't get any better when you know how to do it That's a good... chris, chris might disagree because chris is always the um you know, he started off as a producer when i was a writer and like a producer, you know, he likes, you know, he's a very analytical person. He likes mm-hmm. to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And I think, uh, I don't know, if somebody ever does an exhaustive study of the episodes he wrote and the ones I wrote. I, I think, uh, actually, I can say this. All his episodes were uh, Little Pete episodes, and all my episodes tended to be Big Pete episodes. Yeah, so that's cool. there you go. That's, that's the germ of uh, your PhD. <laughs> like that. That's really cool. You, you, men- you mentioned that uh, you have... Uh, a son, right? Is that what I heard? Or yeah, I have an eleven-year-old kid, uh, Hugo. Oh, cool. Has he checked out Pete and Pete? <laughs> he has. You know, he's um, a lot of stuff I've done. He's sort of tentative about, and uh, um, I think that's just maybe the pressure of it. Or um, <laughs> like I did Sanjay. And, I mean, Sanjay and Craig was a show yeah. I was an EP on, and uh, he likes that show. But you know, he puts like four, four you know, shows, four Nickelodeon shows ahead of it, you know, so like number five. Yeah. Like I'm behind, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the terrible shows I'm behind. Uh, like, I think number four is like, uh, um, I don't know, what's the, what, like, I don't know, what's the show that I hate on that network? Uh, I don't know. There's, there's nothing really that good. But nothing yeah. I would point my finger at and say, I would have watched that show. Right, but yeah. uh, you, you can't, uh, so anyway, he's, I'm trying to think of what I've done that he really likes. I don't know. I think he'll uh, eventually just, uh, come around to it but i have to say uh i said i'm not pressuring him to watch anything and he is doesn't feel that compelled to watch it. so we have this uneasy truce about it and yeah. uh, I, th- I think eventually we'll we'll uh you know both be able to sit down and, and watch the shows that sounds like good uh kind of um show fodder like uh, that relationship <laughs> well, it's, true. it's true it's funny now that i have an 11 year old i mean you know 11 year old is the you know, in my mind, you know, we channeled being an eleven-year-old all the time. On Pete and Pete, that to yeah. me is like the key key age where you're not a, you're still a kid, but you're not thinking about girls yet. And um, and he's kind of, he's at that age, and he likes stuff that's you know. I mean, what's funny is is like you know I can knock TV all I want, uh, but if I had watched um, Rick and Morty when I was eleven, I, I you know I would be like 
I'd be like president. You know? I mean, just, <laughs> man, what, what an awesome show to be watching when you're 11. So yeah. we, we do watch that together. And uh, oh, wow. I don't mind. I don't mind the bad language. <laughs> I, I just I, the, se- the sex stuff I, I tend to screen, but the, the wow. violence is the violence is cartoony, and the uh, <laughs> language he, he hears that he hears that every day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. So he's got good taste. I'll say that. <laughs> you sound like the best dad ever. Um, well, we play, it's fun. We play it with the volume down because uh, it is kind of like a sitcom. We got to play it with the volume down because we don't want mom to hear. Uh, wow, that's <laughs> awesome. We don't want mom to hear the word mother or so, you know, ten times a row by, by a you know twelve year old kid. Yeah. Somehow on that show, it never seems wrong to me. It just feels like it's the way those characters should talk. Yeah, right? yeah, it, it does seem really appropriate. Um, that's kind of, you know, that's one thing about uh, Pete and Pete that I always kind of loved, and you kind of hit upon this a moment ago, um, but there seems to be something very personal about it, I guess, and I wonder how much, like, you put of yourself into it, and, like, what aspects of your life you kind of, uh, you know, took to use in that. Yeah, well, you know, do you guys... Um... Have you guys seen this, the 60s, all the 60s, the short ones? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah. Where, and that's where it all started, you know, and a lot a lot of stuff. And I wrote, Chris didn't even start writing. I mean, this is like, um, this is a story of being, this is a, this, I may tell a few stories of being humbled. And uh, humbling <laughs> story number one is, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was, I was the creator of Pete and Pete, but Chris came on soon enough and, you know, everything it became after the 60s. He was, you know, just as involved as I was. But the idea of telling these stories from a kid's perspective, that was just um, something that came naturally to me. And um, um, I had some stories to tell that, um, you know, were that, like, for example, the burp room is a story that's about, you know, little Pete burping all the time and having to be sent to the special room his dad has has built. Um, that's like, looks like, like a you know, something in a submarine and, uh, and he can burp in there all he wants. And, uh, that is directly connected to uh, a story from my own life where my father, uh, built a farting room for me <laughs> because I, and it was supposed so it didn't come through as much. It was very literal in the sixties. Like dad actually, you know, builds it. It's just, it's, it's just a way of punishing his son. My father I had no, no intentions of, uh, of building one. He just, uh, as he mapped it out, on a napkin, like like Dad does in the in the sixties, it was just it was just an excuse just to, to be as, as sarcastic as possible. Like, hey, you want to fart? Let's build. Hey, why don't we build a farting room? <laughs> yes, we could. Put, yeah, here. How about this? It was just like it was really just like a master's class in sarcasm. But um, um, yeah, so that story came out of real life, and uh, um, multiple almost everything came from some fragment of something that actually happened because. Uh, I'm glad to hear you guys say that because, you know, the people who don't really get the show just think it's like, um, you know, unrealistic and it's hard, it's hard to, it doesn't feel grounded to them. But, uh, to me, um, you know, so much of it is grounded that I I never, you know, you know, I, I dismiss those comments (laughs) because, uh, I just assume most people never had a childhood or something. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, they're also every one of those episodes is so radiant with nostalgia. You know, right? Yes. It's like yeah. every episode we shot every year we shot in the summer and the fall and the winter, and so you know you watch those shows. It's like oh, the end of summer, the most you know heartbreaking time of year. Fall, the most, second most heartbreaking time of year. 
uh, Christmas time, winter, you know, you know, barren, you know, everything that goes along with it getting colder and more barren and, you know, all the seasons that change and all the emotions that they evoke. It was in every season. So I, I kind of <laughs> feel like, uh, uh, if we had taken out the absurdity, they would have all been like, um, you know, Hallmark Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Life, lifetime, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, they really were, if you think about it, Pete and Pete, for all its uh, avant-garde, uh, you know, aspirations, uh, Every story was pretty uh, square, you know. <laughs> you know, I always think about it, right? It's like, talk yeah. to your parents, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, there really were lessons in every single one of yeah. them. Nobody, it was never really about destroying things or, like, <laughs> you know, hating anything. It was really about, like, you know, each each story had, like, you know, Father Knows Best kind of <laughs> message to it, just yeah. dis- heavily disguised. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we, something we talk a lot about is, like, how relatable the characters I mean, there is the absurdity, but Andrew and I always say that we feel like we knew these people. I mean, we grew up in the suburbs of yeah. Cleveland, but we, we still felt we kind of knew this uh, setting. All the way down to, like, one thing we talk a lot about with Pete and Pete is the character names. <laughs> um, so, like, some I have written down here that we've really laughed about is, like, Den Cleary, Clem Linnell, uh, Teddy Forsman. I was wondering, like... These are just such brilliant <laughs> character names. Uh, how did you guys like? What was that like in the writers' room of coming up with the names of the characters? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not really sure. I mean, some names were just intentionally silly, you know, um, <laughs> and others just like Clem Now, I think it just was like um, it just those words just sound great together. You know, like, it's like cellar, cellar doors, yeah. euphonious. Two words you could put together. I, I, I would put Clem Linnell ahead of Cellar Door. Yeah. It's a, it's, it just sounds it's, great. It's, it's, it, just, it just feels so... It you, know, you want to say it all the time. Yeah. And, um, it's border- I think we just... Uh, I don't know. We, the, one of the best things about about writing, having your own show, is getting to name everything. Like from the towns to the streets <laughs> to the people. It's the best, you know? And yeah. it's like you, you really do feel like uh, you can do it. You know, you feel kind of like restricted in every other area. But when it comes to naming things, you... No one's going to tell you that you can't, you know, can't yeah. call. For, you can't say lemon licky nubs. You know, it's just like, okay, that's, yeah. you're, that's fine. Yeah. These names really are evocative of like real people. Like when my parents have told me stories about people they used to know, like these names are very similar, like shockingly similar sometimes to the Pete and Pete names. Um, just just one of those aspects of the show that sure uh, yeah i mean i was thinking of bill corn (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know yeah i don't know it was always easy to do the names i think i think everybody just picked out a name from their own childhood i think they're all real names oh cool (laughs) that's probably why they sound so good yeah i'm i'm half tempted to start a band now called clem linnell you should. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, actually, I named that one because it's, his name, Linnell. He's not a huge fan of the name of the Giants. Yeah. John Linnell. Us so too. That's what, that's, now that I think about it, that's where Linnell came from. So there you go. Wow. Cool, yeah. No one's ever asked me that question before. So you guys are, that's, that's, that's gold. That's, <laughs> that is an amazing little, like, yeah. another, like, weird Nickelodeon connection of these different things. Like, they might be yeah. Giants showing up in these different they places. They show up in Clarissa, yeah. yeah. Um, I know it's true. Did you guys ever see their performance on Nick Rocks? Uh, of they might be giants. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think that specifically. So Nick, Rock, you know, no. Nick, Rock, Nick Rocks was this um, video show that they had. A friend of mine was the um, producer of it, and he was a big They Might Be Giants fan. And it was back when Nickelodeon was pretty low rent, and <laughs> you could just have a show where you, where you played. You know, it was kind of like cheap MTV. You know, yeah. uh, you know, we saw videos, and it would be hosted by different <laughs> bands. And They Might Be Giants 
made an unexpected appearance on Nickelodeon and hosted a half hour of some of videos wow. they wanted to see. And wow. uh, I, I, other than Pete and Pete being on Nickelodeon, I think that episode of Nick Rocks, which hopefully you can find online, yeah. is probably one of the most um, sort of absurd moments that <laughs> exist. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, just a coincidence of events here. I mean, Andrew and I also love They Might Be Giants, and um, it's yeah, it seems like there's just this whole culture that kind of interconnects. Yeah. Um, when... yeah. I think uh, I think we probably named I probably named it Pete and Pete because of uh, John and John. So there you go. It's another <laughs> another <laughs> nice. connection. That's cool. Uh, speaking of music, I mean, one thing. Um, I remember there was a moment in Andrew and I's life where we found out that Polaris had actually <sighs> recorded an entire album and that feeling of triumph of yeah. discovering the album. Um, so needless to say, it's it, all the music on Pete and Pete is beautiful, and yeah. I think we're both big indie rock fans. But I was curious, as the guy who kind of introduced a generation to this <laughs> music, like, what are you listening to now beyond uh, Polaris and Miracle Legion and Magnetic Fields? Sure. Well, um, you know, Mark Mulcahy is always putting out new music and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's more grown up version of what he did on Polaris, but I really like listening to him. And, uh, you know, I don't, my musical taste hasn't really changed that much. You know, I'm always, I'm always, now that there's Spotify, especially, I'm always just like trolling for, I'm always in search of like the perfect indie pop like two minute song by a band I never by a band I never heard of. I mean that's my that's my fantasy. I just tr- <laughs> look for those little delicate, weird, yeah. you know, songs that maybe never even appear on an album. You know, just by some band that came and went. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I love the idea of these sort of like um, bands that just had existed for a moment in time and nobody really remembers who they were, but their music lives on. And uh, when you discover these kind of like um uh sort of legends that never were um it's i feel like you've you've really captured something so um i mostly uh look for things like that but um i'm trying to think of something i I listen to tons of stuff let's see what what can i plug right now that (laughs) um the um there's a band i'll tell you what i'll plug two things that are that were inspirations for the show and um, they're not new but they are uh, records that everyone should own yeah. um, there was a band from Scotland in the early 80s uh, called Orange Juice and uh, mm. pretty much everything that we ever that I ever did on Pete Pete was heavily influenced by that record uh, they have a record called uh, You Can't Hide Your Love Forever and it's um, uh, kind of ramshackle uh, it's pop, but it's kind of like trying to be more than that, but not really succeeding. You know, I, I like bands that <laughs> yeah. try to do more than they're capable of, you know, yeah. and um, uh, just that, that sense of reaching for something and not quite getting there. So I'm really inspiring. So anyway, I, I would plug Orange Juice and then um, I would also plug uh, uh, The Wedding Present, this British band that mm. uh, is kind of the noisier side of the pop music spectrum, but uh, songs for all their volume and like super guitar you know indie rock strumming uh are weirdly delicate in, in the things that they're talking about so it's a it's a great kind of contrast between the music and the words awesome yeah. i will always plug those two bands they're good <laughs> that's so. great good to know yeah and andrew and i were lucky enough to actually see um when polaris kind of regrouped yeah. and toured we went and saw them in massachusetts a couple years ago with our friend chris and um I mean, Mark still got it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, you know, it's funny. He, um, he 
you know, as he as he said many times, I mean, Polaris became more famous or more popular than Miracle Each. <laughs> yeah. blew, mo- blew his mind. And what? And you know, initially he didn't want to do do any songs for the show because he was still, you know, thinking that that doing music for a kids show would be the you know yeah. the last thing anybody with credibility <laughs> would want to do. And I don't think he even knew what the show was at the time. I think he thought it was a cartoon. And uh, I think he just needed the money, so he decided mm-hmm. to do it. And of course after a while we began to really fully be invested in it and um you know polaris was just like this uh, one-off he thought you know and you know all these whatever 20 years later they're touring so it's yeah i don't know i think he what he loved about it was uh, that kind of music compared to miracle Egypt is just more fun and more accessible and more uh pop and uh, bigger crowds and people you know what it was he when you're when you have a band and you, you know, like Miracle Egypt was around for a long time, and you, it's your art, and everything goes into it. You know, you kind of want to be someplace where everyone in the audience knows all the words, but it never happens. <laughs> but with Polaris, every place they went, everyone knew all the words. You know, after being like, you know, an indie rock uh, veteran for all those years, to be playing in front of 2,000 people who knew the words, you know, he, sometimes he felt like he was, you know, in heaven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, that really just talking about the music like i think one thing about that show that the show did masterfully was uh capture that thing about music where like when you have a song that kind of connects to whatever's happening in your life right now um you know you have this like soundtrack of your or at least i do i don't know about anybody else but i have this like soundtrack of my life going on all the time and i think um pete and pete like just made that real all of a sudden, like that's, that's great to hear you say that. I, I mean, it's um, it certainly does that for me too. And uh, you know, especially when you can connect the music to the different parts of the show that you remember, um, you know, it's like a double whammy. You know, yeah. like uh, I mean, I, um, I'm trying to think of the songs. Like I think "Waiting for October" mm. is probably my favorite song. It's by you know, I think it's the most yeah. it's the catchiest song. But yeah. you guys have probably heard these stories. But uh, you know, I was. Like I thought waiting for October was, you know, some kind of ode to October. And then like <laughs> once we started doing these reunions, I asked Mark what it was really about. And it's it's really about um, um, uh, something far darker. And uh, um, I'm trying to remember what it was. It's about um, uh, there was like a mass wedding in the in the 70s. Uh, Sun Young Moon was like this cult leader, and he married like a thousand couples mm. in Madison Square Garden. And uh, it was just sort of this cultural event that just you know made everyone feel like that decade was out of control. <laughs> and uh, and the whole song is about that, you know. And, wow. and also the October uh, waiting for October is basically waiting for the end of the world. Ah. There was some prophecy built into that religion where the world was going to end on a certain day in October. <laughs> So I learned a lesson. Don't ask me yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a song that would naturally go in a kid show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah don't, don't ask. Just, just pretend. Whatever you think it is, that's what it is. Um, there's a. This is really kind of specific, so I, I don't know if you'll remember this, but there's kind of one moment um in the first or the first like I think uh, official episode or one of um what we did on our summer vacation. Um, when they dig up the 1978 Cutlass Supreme, that's like one of those, one of my favorite visuals from anything ever. 
Like, I, I often think back about that and, like, how, what, like, what was the magic behind that? And I, I guess I just wonder where that idea came from. And Oh, yeah, I'm glad you say that. I, I love that moment, too. Um, it, uh, it's kind of a standout of all the absurd guys we <laughs> yeah. did, I, I think. And then the fact that they just drive away in it, you know, it's like, <laughs> yes. yeah. like the icing on the cake. Um, I think... I don't know. We were we were shooting on the we knew we were shooting on the beach and we knew Dad had a metal detector and I think we just started thinking what's the most ridiculous thing we could find. And I think uh, we were we were still dumb enough. We were like, I'm like I can't believe they're gonna. We think of an idea and they're gonna bury a car and then we realize they just put the grill in there. Like, oh right, TV magic. Yeah. No real car. Um, but you know the illusion. I'm sorry if I shattered your. No, no, that was that was not a real card. Um, so yeah, I think I think it was just. Uh, and also, I think um, what was great about Pete and P in my mind is that um, yeah, there were a million gags if you want to call. You know, yeah. there's no denying that. But I think we always tried to bring. They're always the best ones seem to have some something kind of lyrical or poetic about them in their own way. Yes, and I think that kind of saved them from just being jokes. Yeah, I think that in fact, like. As I'm watching it now, even, um, a lot of the surreal stuff is what actually makes it, in a way, more real to me. Like, it's almost, like, more evocative of that time in your life, like, that younger time when there are these kind of unknowns where you don't really know how things work, and they yeah. might work this weird way, you know? Yeah, that's that's true. I, I, I imagine um, that... I mean, the impression I got from, I guess my point is, I think it's, you can enjoy Pete and Pete, you can enjoy it when you're a kid for what it is, but I think it isn't until you grow up and you're thinking back on your childhood that Pete and Pete really kicks in, you know? Yeah. I think that extra nostalgia was made by nostalgic people, and then when nostalgic people watch a show made by nostalgic people, I think it really packs a wallop. So I think <laughs> you almost have to get some perspective. Well, you have to grow up and miss your childhood a little bit and then when you watch the show it's almost like a different show than yeah. when you were a kid you know? yeah. yeah absolutely yeah um, um well bef before we let you go I was wondering if we could do a quick speed round of something um Andrew and I often on the show debate um intellectually try to debate shows and so I was just gonna wondering if I could just give you some shows and you could tell me what your preference is okay um so the first one we debated was Adam's Family versus Munster's Right. Uh, that's a good one. I, I would say um, it was one of those shows where when you it's easier to like like it's easier to like the monsters because it's just so brainless. But it, as you're watching, even as a kid, you know, the Adams family is better. <laughs> Agreed. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it's like it's like you're you're listening to a Lennon a McCartney song. And you're like, I should be listening to John Lennon. <laughs> Oh man, that's yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, now, a little bit of Nickelodeon. Would you rather watch the game show Guts or the game show Legends of the Hidden Temple? <laughs> well, I didn't really know uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, mm, uh, and um, I'm sad to report that I do know a little bit about Guts. <laughs> I guess I guess it's just because it allowed something called an aggro crag to actually exist in our reality. <laughs> I have to I have to vote for that, even though I don't I'm not sure I know what that is. Nice. I know uh, it's a crag. It's a crag that's really aggressive, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and I then, know it exists, and I know it's on top of a mountain. I guess I know it's the top of a, the cragged top. I don't know something that's on top of a fake mountain. And, uh, <laughs> I guess I'd have to go there. Yeah. 
right. we did a parody on, on Sanjay and Craig. We did a parody oh. uh, of uh, the kids. Uh, Sanjay and Craig got to be on that show, uh, version oh, of that show. Oh, wow. So, yeah. uh, we, we got to make fun of it. Uh, <laughs> dreams come true. Um, and then finally, besides the obvious choice of Hey Sandy, uh, your favorite 90s Nickelodeon theme song. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Um, let me think about that. Um, Brandon Stimpy, I didn't, mm. I, you know, I, wanted, I wouldn't put that on the list. Doug, I wouldn't uh, either. Um, Rugrats, no. Um, I'm trying to think. What else was, uh, what else was on uh, 90s Nick? Tell me, give me a few shows. Man, Hey Dude. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark? Yes. (laughs) Um, We had Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah. I didn't really know that show very well. Um, Salute Your Shorts. That one wasn't bad. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, Uh, Clarissa Explains It All. Mm. uh, Clarissa, yeah. Yeah, not not so much. Um, Trying to think what else. Um, A lot of them were kind of like instrumentals, I guess, now that Mm. I'm thinking about it. Hey, what else, what else? Come on, you guys know what else was on Nickelodeon back then? <laughs> uh, uh, Angry Beavers. Angry Beavers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. No, I don't remember that show. Uh, uh, all, um, all that. Keenan and Kel, which was Coolio. Oh, uh, what would you do? Or I mean, you can't do that on television. Which yeah. Got it oh yeah, pretty good. that that was pretty good. That show was very anarchic. I think I'd have to yeah. go with that song. Yeah. So, I, I would peg. That you... show was great. That show. Was, I don't. You know, I was too old to watch that show, but you know, re- you had to watch it to do promos for it, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, whenever anyone says Canadians are just kind of like whiter versions of Americans, I say, you should watch, you can't do that on television. <laughs> the show's f***ed up. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I, I would... alcoholic, yeah, the character was an alcoholic dad. Yeah. An alcoholic dad, a wreck of a man <laughs> with children. He was awesome. Um, just, just like degrading himself. It was awesome. So now that I think about it, that was a great show. Yeah, <laughs> often abusive to the kids. Yeah, mess. I mean, Nickelodeon, you know, when we were there, we really... I like were true believers of the Nickelodeon spirit because it was like anti-Disney. Everything yeah. about Nickelodeon was like, fuck Disney. We're not going to be Disney. <laughs> and so, you know, you can't do that was like the embodiment of that mentality. And, uh, cause you know, it's just gross and sloppy and slime <laughs> kind of started there. And, you know, everything about it just seemed like, you know, things that things, it seemed like things were legitimately out of control versus like pretending <laughs> that they were. And, uh, and so, uh, I, I, you know, I think, uh, that show kind of, I wish they had done more shows like that where just things just were just, it just felt like, um, um, chaos. You know, you were one bad decision away from them having to like pull, you know, like (laughs) put put the please stand by. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, very cool. We, we, we really appreciate you taking some time with us. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm happy to talk, always happy to talk about the show. It's, um, you know, it's, um, and I get more removed from it as time goes by. I don't really, you know, people might think, oh, wow, he's really a little high on himself. But I don't, I don't really think about it as being something I worked on or wrote or did anything. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it exists <laughs> yeah. uh, on its own. And I was just, uh, you know, I'm just as big a fan as anybody else. Wow. I don't really, I don't really feel like it has anything to do with my vanity. It's just, <laughs> I think I made, I made the show that I wanted to watch. Yeah. And, you know, and that's how I look at it now. And that, that I worked on it seems kind of like uh, irrelevant. Yeah. yeah, well, I did get a chance to check out a kid called Mayonnaise, uh, uh, which I really loved. I just wanted to tell you that. Um, oh, thanks, man. That was definitely a tr- a tr- an attempt to. Uh, you, know, you don't get too many chances to do a show like Pete and Pete. They, uh, for some reason, uh, the money people uh, aren't so uh, aren't so as enthusiastic as you guys are, huh. and um, and so you know Mayo was a long time coming, and uh, I'm glad you liked it. Certainly, if you're a Pete and Pete fan, I, I can't imagine 
what yeah. what, would, what would be possible not to like about that project? <laughs> yeah, him him calling his former house uh, struck me like with shades of uh, Nona posting picture <laughs> uh, photographs of her old uh, home on her new home. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I know that uh, definitely. Uh, um, I think I was. I think that was on my mind when I thought that. But it certainly, it certainly has a kind of evocative power. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you so Will. much. Um, you are. Thank you for being our hero. And uh, it no was problem. great. Thanks it was great. For, thanks for needing me as a hero. <laughs> All right. Take All care. Right. So long. All right. All right. So that was our interview with Will McRobb. Uh, a real pleasure. Yeah. Um, just. Really enjoyable. Um, really great information. I, I loved finding out about all this stuff, and uh, it was really interesting for me in particular to find out just a little bit more about um, the process of creating this thing. You yeah. know, like what what it takes to, or what from his life, I guess, was like kind of put into this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I think of all the people we could have talked to. This is probably the guy we would have wanted yeah, first, is, yeah, or at all, yeah. Um, so if we were a little nervous or jumpy, this we apologize. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was the big one. Uh, big yeah, one. not no offense to DJ Mikhail yeah. or uh, you know any of the any of the creators out there. Uh, we we hope to talk to more people. Um, totally, yeah. this is a great great start. I mean, yeah, I think it <laughs> couldn't have been a better start. Yeah. Um, so, very cool. Well, I guess we have to move on from interviewing yes. our favorite Nickelodeon writer to something also very cool. Yeah, yeah. What um, is next week? Next week, we're go- it's going to be the 90s Nickelodeon Awards, finally. You've been hearing about them <laughs> for a while, and uh, we're going to deliver them. That's right. We're going to find out what everybody uh, yeah. thinks. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, there was a ton of nominations, and we will, like, if you nominated something, we'll, we'll let you know next yeah. week what was nominated, but we, we, uh, we got it down to four nominations per category, uh, we have, we have collected votes on those four, and the results are in, and so next week, um, we will, uh, unravel the first ever 90s <laughs> Nick Awards. Maybe the last, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how it goes over. I guess we took a bunch of the big categories the first year around, but, um, it'll, it'll, I think it'll be really fun. Yeah. So, hope you guys tune into that one. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, give your thoughts on the interview with Will, or whatever's on your mind, um, you can get a hold of us on Twitter at BOC Podcast facebook instagram at orange couch podcast uh and gmail at orange couch podcast at gmail.com we love hearing from you guys um and of course you can hear us on itunes podbean and i think like a whole bunch of other uh (laughs) podcast sites that i don't know the names of (laughs) um but uh yeah so check it out spread the word um we we really appreciate you guys 45 episodes we really appreciate you guys hanging with us big 50 coming up yeah maybe we'll come up with something good for that yeah i think i think we'll be able to i I like the idea of maybe just the 50th episode being like an episode a review of like rocket power (laughs) just totally anticlimactic yeah yeah. (laughs) well we'll see um until then uh we'll see you next episode
Radio. <laughs> 